0: Welcome in, everybody, to the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. This is a weekend episode for you, a Saturday Behind Enemy Lines episode where we're going to talk with Billy Marshall, who does fantastic work covering the Carolina Panthers, also on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. His podcast is called The Roar. You should check out that podcast just to get more Blue Wire podcasts under your belt and to kind of pay attention to what's going on in Carolina because whether we want to admit it or not, there's sort of symmetry between Certain quarterback, how he performs in the analysis of that quarterback, which is what we're going to talk a lot about today. Now, a small caveat before we get going on this podcast that we are recording this on Thursday, midday, about three o'clock Eastern time. There could be changes to both active inactives. And it looks like the weather is going to be gnarly for this weekend, but that could be subject to change. We'll see what happens there, but it should be a really interesting matchup. And I want to get some perspective on the Panthers and Billy is the one to go to. He is at uh Billy M underscore 91 on Twitter, a fantastic follow for not just Panthers content, but NFL content, college football, and just a great follow in general. Billy, thanks for taking time to be with us, man. Yeah, no, no worries. I really appreciate you having me. Of course, let's dig into the to the nitty gritty here. Panthers are coming off like give us a synopsis of a couple things. Just very quickly, what happened last year? I know Scott Fitterer is the GM. I know Matt Rule. This is a huge year. Is it a huge year for both Fitterer, who I think was hired a year later? So I'm curious how the GM head coach look in this year. Is it a is it a make or break year for those guys? So last year, this year, catch us up on where we are going into week one.
1: Yes, yeah, certainly. So one would obviously think that this is essentially a make or break year for Matt rule because he is entering his third year. Uh, He has consecutive five win uh, seasons under his belt, which, you know, some people might expect depending on where you are, uh, how you feel about the process when he was hired until now. And it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. It just, there's been a lot of mixed messaging from the top down from the owner down to the general manager, to the, to the head coach. Uh, But one thing I can tell you, and this has been reported by plenty of uh, guys very close to the team, is that Matt Rule has full control of the roster. So Scott Fitter, the GM who was hired last year, and the first year when Rule was hired, uh, Marty Herney was a general manager. And um, a lot of that was due to the fact that Herney has experience in the league. He he has a lot of contacts. Um, I don't think anyone anticipated the COVID situation happening. Uh, but you have seen some situations where a GM uh, kind of he is essentially with the incumbent or the new head coach. And they just kind of help him throughout the year with the administrative stuff and just try to get him acclimated to the league. Uh, eventually, you know, Marty Herney moved on. He went to Washington with Ron Rivera again. And they hired from outside and they went for Scott Fitter from Seattle. And they have built a pretty decent front office. Uh, Dan Morgan, uh, the former linebacker who was actually with the Panthers, he's been. Uh, part of some really impressive front offices in Seattle with Scott Fitter, but also uh, with Brandon Bean in Buffalo. He was, you know, certainly had a very high title with them. Uh, and Bean, obviously, has a lot of roots with Carolina, uh, spoke very highly of him. So he's the assistant general manager, and they have a lot of other guys on their staff, like Samir Suleiman, uh, who's was with the Steelers for so many years. He does their cap analysis. Uh, Pat, Ma- or yes, uh, Pat Stewart, who came from the Eagles and Patriots. So they, their front office is pretty uh, stacked, I would say, but it, it's all dependent on the head coach. And a lot of the roster decisions and the personnel, um, you know, kind of deployment is down to the head coach and what he sees fit. Uh, so Scott Fitter is essentially just like a, a liaison for him, just trying to accommodate him in any way he can. And it's it's certainly a make or break year. I know the the owner said back in like, I forget when he said, I think it was sometime in the spring that this is a long-term rebuild. I don't believe it. They haven't acted as if they're rebuilding at any point in their uh, in the Matt rule era, they've, you know, dumped cam Newton. And then they went out and paid Teddy Bridgewater, a huge load of money, uh, that lasted a year. And then they went out and traded for Sam Darnold that lasted a year. And then, uh, I think they got a pretty good deal trading for Baker Mayfield. Uh, I think both teams actually did pretty well in that situation. Uh, but again, it's another QB on a one-year deal with no contract after it. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. And for Matt Roll, this this is pretty much it for him. Uh, there is a huge amount of turnover on the offensive
0: coaching staff, and we'll get into that, I am sure. But uh, this is yeah. A- that's the that's the next thing yeah. I wanted to ask. Like, what what are the big changes that matter to what they do this year on that staff?
1: Yeah, for sure. So offensively, they changed the offensive court here. Ben McAdoo uh, is coming in. He hasn't called play since uh, he was the head coach of the Giants in 2017, I believe. Yeah, it, it's been a while. Uh, I know he's had some stops as quarterback coach and as a um, offensive assistant. I think he, last year he was with the Cowboys working under Mike McCarthy, a guy who actually gave him his, um, who he worked closely with uh, for many years. So it's going to be interesting just because McAdoo traditionally, he uh, he's a guy that he runs a McCarthy offense, a lot of slant flat concepts, a lot of concepts that you really want to get the ball out of your hands quickly. And it's based on tempo trying to spread the field out in some ways and really attack, you know, the short intermediate areas. He's not a guy that's, you're going to see a lot of uh, five to seven step drops. And there could be a little bit of uh, tension in that regard, because maybe that doesn't fit Baker Mayfield's strengths. And it's certainly, uh, does not fit the ethos that Matt rule wants to employ which is running the ball you know 20 30 times a game uh so it's going to be inter- interesting to see which one of those two adapts uh based on kind of their own preference and in my opinion I believe McAdoo is going to be have to be the one because he is the offensive coordinator uh, but we saw last year there was a lot of tension among rule and Joe Brady because they weren't running the ball enough they, the offense just did look great at times and i understand a lot of people are very high on brady but uh, he deserves some responsibility too i don't think he uh, he probably was a little too early diving into the nfl game so i think he he's in a good position as a quarterback's coach now in buffalo but but yeah uh james campman uh he's your offensive line coach now and he i believe was working with the browns in 2019 oh, yeah. uh, and i don't know i don't think this is great news for matt rule but the last one two three four four stops that campman's made uh that staff has gotten fired so uh maybe you know the fifth time will kind of
0: help him out but uh who knows yeah well they've they've made a ton of changes offensively they're gonna look to let mayfield spearhead all of that right they made the deal we'll talk defense a little bit more later but they make this deal you know and and they it seems like the two sides danced together for a significant amount of time before the terms were sort of what everybody was most interested in, or maybe when Mayfield was able to prove his most health or whatever, they finally make a deal. The Browns fans, listeners of this podcast have their opinion about Mayfield one way or the other. I'm curious kind of as concisely as you can, because I had to do the same for you on your show, what you're kind of expecting from Mayfield, what you think is, is feasible. And do you see a long-term future with this player?
1: Okay. So I'll start with your first question first. I I think, for Baker Mayfield, it's just to play within the structure of the offense. I'm not going to give you any type of numerical projections because I'm not into that. Um, the past few years, even going back to 2019, uh Cam Newton, he unfortunately was he had suffered an injury in the preseason and he just didn't look right. He only lasted two games. And Carolina went through just a litany of backup quarterbacks that year, mainly Kyle Allen, and it just wasn't it, it wasn't effective football. Uh, the year after the COVID year, Bridgewater, he has his moments, but again, they he didn't really provide the physical skill set needed uh, for a traditional NFL offense. And then last year, Sam Darnold, th- that was just a disastrous experience from the beginning. Um, many people know Darnold has his strengths at times. He can really look like a viable NFL quarterback just he can make some ridiculous throws, but overall, the inconsistency is just staggering. So for me, I'm just looking for consistency from Sam Darnold and and or excuse me, from Baker Mayfield, and that means just play within the structure of the offense. Uh, watching him in the preseason, it seems like he does look healthy. Um, you've mentioned the mechanics to me on another platform, and I really appreciate you mentioning that because it definitely looked like his feet were in in, in sync with where he's throwing the ball. And I know that was an issue that's been an issue for him in the past. And I'm not looking for him to like, you know, drop seven, nine step drops and just, you know, drill it into tight windows all game. Just play within the structure of the offense. You have a running back who, in my opinion, is uh, one of the best ever at catching the football out of the backfield. He runs great routes. Uh, Just you utilize him and guys like DJ Moore. Again, you're not going to necessarily, um, you know, DJ Moore is not going to burn you deep necessarily, but he will provide a lot of after uh, run after the catch. That's what he's good at. And, uh, I know there's been some talk about the relationship between him and Robbie Anderson, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see because Anderson he really kind of stretches the field, uh, but he he's also good in other areas as well. And for for me, I'm just looking for Mayfield to just you know play within the structure of the offense. Don't make unnecessary throws. I know he likes to hold the ball on times. He does these pump fakes one or two times, and it kind of just uh, it can really just throw the rhythm off. If he can just you know play within uh the scheme that i think that's going to go a long way towards carolina potentially having an average offense which in my opinion would be one of the best
0: offenses they've had in a long time yeah talk about cmc a little bit we'll move past mayfield i think everybody on this side of the podcast world has heard enough about him and we'll see sunday how it looks and we'll judge it from there but seems like christian mccaffrey has shifted away at least a buzz i've heard away from strength focus to more flexibility focus more pliability do do you think he finds health finally can find some health because of those changes who's behind him? I think it's Hubbard at this point is the guy behind him. And then you talked about more and Robbie Anderson a little bit, who else touches the field as receivers and tight ends that matter to this week one game. Sure. So um, McCaffrey second and third
1: year, he received a ton of volume, Uh, not only in the running game, but in the passing game too. And there was obviously he had the 1000, 1000 yard season, which was in 2019. So it made I'm not going to say it made sense but there was obviously an expectation that he wasn't going to be able to keep up that type of durability and so the last two years it's been obviously tough for him uh, but he's had plenty of time to recover and I expect him to uh, look like the old McCaffrey the guy who's healthy and when he is healthy he's very dynamic in both areas so Behind him, it's Deontay Foreman, who was with the Titans last year. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, he's had some struggles coming out of Oklahoma State, uh, not only just as a pass blocker, but as a pass catcher, too. Um, there was a preseason game, the last one that Mayfield started, uh, where he just dropped two easy balls for Mayfield. And Mayfield wasn't exactly throwing it with a lot of heat. They were pretty catchable. Um, so that, that's been a little bit of a concern. So Deontay Foreman is going to be your running back, too. And you know Foreman is your traditional, like, a bruiser you, you saw him replace derrick henry very well for the titans last year uh, and i like this move quite a bit just because it gives you a different um, skill set in their backfield and that one that they need as well and uh, they did trade for Laviska shaw i don't know what to expect from him i i was i kind of liked him coming out of colorado but he's been a pretty big disappointment uh, so maybe you're not going to see him use as a traditional wide receiver maybe you he'll be in the backfield lined up and you'll get some jet sweeps and Um, some fly sweeps and you'll use them in motion to kind of try to create some uh, conflict for the linebackers. But uh, looking at their receiving core at this moment, it's going to be DJ Moore. is your ex receiver, Robbie Anderson's a Z and the starting slot is uh, most likely going to be shy Smith, uh, six or sixth round that they took a couple years ago. Uh, He's been with the first team unit all season or all preseason. Uh, He's really stepped up his game and the other guys behind him, uh, Marshall and, lavisca Chenault marshall's had a little bit of some uh inconsistency second round pick about lsu a couple years ago and uh for him it's just about kind of getting healthy and mastering the offense uh and looking at the tight end room at this point uh tommy tremble and ian thomas are two pretty uh decent tight ends uh neither are going to blow you away in any aspect uh thomas he got a pretty decent deal which some people kind of raise their eyebrows at this offseason but in the McAdoo offense they do like to utilize tight ends quite a bit a lot of 12 personnel Uh, if you remember 2017 they drafted uh, the Giants drafted Evan Ingram in the first round and Ingram had a pretty productive rookie season so I expect to see a lot of 12 personnel uh, maybe some 11 personnel mixed in as well but you're not going to see this team kind of go 21 or 22 personnel uh, in the backfield
0: yeah what's interesting to me is you know paying attention to the dynamics. I actually interrupt myself here is it looks like this is what we do on these podcasts. These blue wire podcasts. We keep you apprised to live information. Baker Mayfield announced a captain for Carolina Panthers just now. Um, we, uh, w- the skill talents fine. It's good. I think it can, it can win football games it comes down the offensive line. Cause, cause Mayfield needs to feel protected. Yeah. If he doesn't feel protected, it speeds up his mental side. It speeds up his body. It speeds up his feet. Everything is out of sync. If he doesn't feel protected, We'll see if he uses his back more. He has no choice. I mean, when you're in the backfield with McCaffrey, you just have to use him. And if you don't, it's like, what's wrong with you? He just hasn't been a great uh running back thrower, but you know, that could change and hopefully it does. But but the offensive line's important. Go through those five and, and anyone else who's important and kind of what you're expecting out of those guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jake, this, this line was a tragic like it was just awful to watch last year. I've never and I've seen some bad offensive lines, particularly Cam Newton's rookie or his third or fourth year in the league when they had some just turnstiles out there. And this one was one of the worst and they did really well to address it. Given their resources, uh, they drafted Ike um uh, in the top 10 uh, their third rounder a couple years ago or in 2021, Brady Christensen who they drafted to be a tackle and guard combo. He's going to be their left guard. Um, they did sign Bradley Bozeman uh, from Baltimore this off season, but he's, he's been injured and it looks like he might be healthy. Uh, but I expect him to start Pat Alfline, the center from, who spent some time uh, with the Vikings. I think he was drafted by them. And then he went to the Jets for a brief time. And then uh, Austin Corbett, the guy that you guys are familiar with. You guys drafted him very highly in the second round uh, under John Dorsey. He's going to be the right guard. He had some really good tape with the Rams. Uh, and he's going to be the right guard. And then on the right side, so- or excuse- filling it out on the right tackle is going to be Taylor Moten, who's been arguably just one of their most dependable and reliable players ever since they drafted him. Uh, he's been really good, and there's really not much else you can say. He's not necessarily like an elite right tackle like Elaine Johnson necessarily, but he's very steady. He's not going to get beat too often. Um, so I feel good about like the right side. It's going to come down to how the left side does. You have a, a rookie and a, a guy making you know his first starts at left guard, and I, I'm very high on Iquano. I think he's going to be very good. But the player I kind of compared him to coming out was Andrew Thomas, where Andrew Thomas did not really have the uh, technique and he kind of was very, he had some struggles his rookie year. He didn't look great. But if you've seen his transition from year one to year three, he's, you know, ascending each year and every year. And I expect him to do that as well. And for Equino, it's just going to be, you know, how does he take coaching and how does he kind of, uh, you know, experience the rigors of the NFL because he's going up against the best defensive player in the in the league uh this upcoming sunday so it's going to be a very tough matchup for him and i expect the browns to target him with whatever type of blitzes or if they just want to go rush four and have miles garrett do his thing then i expect equano to be kind of uh cbs or whoever is broadcasting the game they're going to have their focus on him just to see how he does against garrett and just my own personal opinion i don't think he's going to do great because his pass protection was an issue coming out and it's an issue that's going to uh that he's going to have to develop over the years
0: good stuff all across the offense those are all the names you need that's the offensive line a little bit of how he thinks the browns might attack that rookie tackle so well worth your uh knowledge base being expanded with the panthers offense we're going to take a quick break word from our sponsors and when we return we're going to start talking about the defense because there's some talent on that side of the ball we'll be right back Okay, Billy, start with who runs the defense over there, baseline of what they are schematically, and then I guess say lead off with the D-line, Brian Burns, Derek Brown, Gross Tomatoes. They've, mm-hmm. they've invested a lot there, so so go ahead and down that path.
1: Yeah, for sure. So Phil Snow, defensive coordinator who came with Matt Rule from Baylor, and it, it's a lot of the kind of traditional, modern traditional defense that you're seeing now, a lot of tight fronts, and they're doing um, a lot of different creeper, uh, co- the, what they call now, the creeper blitzes and coverages that they're kind of employing on the back end. They bring guys from everywhere. They drop, uh, They sometimes they drop their defensive ends as well. So uh, for me, I, I think the biggest thing is going to be how their run defense does. This was an issue for them last year. Uh, Hassan Reddick was as talented as he was rushing the passer, and I think he's going to be great in Philly. He was one of their culprits in the run defense because he just could not hold the um, set and edge very well. And I understand run defense comes down to all 11 players, but uh, when you have a defensive end that can't necessarily hold the edge, it's going to be problematic for you. And uh, this is going to be a very big test for them because uh, Bill Callahan came in here as interim coach in 2019. They just ran the ball all over them. And Washington, did the same thing last year. It, it's going to be very interesting to see how they adapt. Uh, but on the defensive line, Matt Iodinas, a guy that uh, did play for Matt Rule at Temple. I thought this was actually one of the better uh, free agent settings that they made uh, because he provides, you know, the guy who he's played in this type of defense before he understands, um, you know, how to play the two gaps or the one gap, wherever he's kind of being employed. Uh, Derek Brown, he's been a very solid to good NFL player, maybe kind of drafted a little too high, but uh, for what he is as a defensive tackle, he's not Vita Vea. He's not Aaron Donald. Um, he does his job. He kind of controls the point of attack. He allows the linebackers or the safeties whoever's blitzing to get in the backfield and do their job. Um, and at the same time, he's actually shown quite a bit of athleticism each and every year to kind of really shoot gaps and get in the backfield, but he's just not going to be your penetrating three technique type. He's going to, he's more of a do it all uh, defensive tackle and, and it's going to be interesting to see how, how it works for him. But the big question for this team is um, what, what's going to happen at the other defensive um, at the other edge rushing position, because we know Brian Burns is going to start, uh, like I said, they allowed Redick to walk. Uh, replacing him will be Grossmato, so they drafted uh, pretty high in the second round a couple of years ago. So it's it's a good opportunity for him. I liked him coming out, but uh, he has quite a lot to prove, not only just as a run defender but as a pass rusher too. Uh, and behind him they have guys, you know, some decent rotational pass rushers like Marquise Haynes and Amari Barno. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a very tough test for them in, in the run game. Uh, And I think their strengths as a defense right now are more, it's very similar to the Browns where um, they're going to have a pretty good idea of how to defend the pass and they really can get after it uh, on passing downs. But for me, it's just going to be really important uh, first and second down. Do they get to third and long and really force uh,
0: the Browns offense again a drop back game? Yeah, that, I think both teams are going to really want to avoid those difficult <laughs> third and pass situations. That, that's for sure. So the, the, the venture here and the journey to replace Luke Kuechly is never easy. You know, you're trying to figure out linebacker long term in a league that's continuing to devalue these guys. But when you find a guy like J.O.K., for example, it's just so fun. I know Shaq Thompson's still around. Talk about linebackers. Are they playing two? Are they playing three? Are they playing one? Like, what's the majority of the snaps look like?
1: Yeah, it's primarily two. They're primarily a nickel-based um, uh, team. You're never, you really, if ever, see them with three linebackers on the field. But yeah, it's going to be Shaq Thompson, and it's going to be most likely Damian Wilson as the as the backup. And uh, they're probably going to have quite a bit of different gr- personnel groupings come in. Frankie Louvu, a guy who's been really good for them uh, since they signed him from the Jets last year, he's going to probably come in in different personnel packages. Wilson's more of your like run thumper. He's he's very good. Uh, kind of king and diagnosing, you know, first and second down, He he's going to be the guy. Uh, but when you ask him to kind of turn and shuffle backwards, it's going to be an issue. And I think Louvu is a guy that's uh, probably going to come on, come in on third down and really kind of on their dime fronts and affect the pass rusher. He's a very underrated pass rusher. Uh, Corey Littleton, uh, he's going to be the, probably the guy you see like on, you know, third and medium ish. Uh, he, he's more of your kind of the pass rushing or excuse me, the pass, uh, defender among that linebacker group but expect Shaq Thompson to play 100% of snaps and the other three guys to kind of rotate based on down and distance uh Littleton obviously he didn't he did struggle after getting the big deal with the Raiders but he was a very viable uh, linebacker under Wade Phillips in the Rams uh a few years so uh yeah it's it's going to be uh, quite interesting Thompson is he's been reliable as ever he's kind of the guy that can he doesn't necessarily get fooled by play action like most linebackers he's very uh steady with his keys and he his eye discipline has really improved since uh since i funny enough since keekley actually moved on so um but the other three guys i think you can really attack them especially wilson a guy who really likes to get downhill and attack the backfield if the browns can you know key him and try to do some of these wide zone play action or whatever i think wilson's going to be the guy that you guys really
0: attack Okay, good to know. They'll go after Wilson a little bit. The The, the secondary's got, you know, names, man. C.J. Henderson's a guy trying to recover his name a little bit. Dante Jackson's been up and down, but you know, J.C. Horn's phenomenally talented. I, I think he's got some stuff to prove in year two, but always loved. I mean, I was a huge believer in Jeremy Chen coming out and, and really like him as a safety. So talk about the secondary, who's playing the slot a little bit and who we can expect to see a lot of
1: yeah so the secondary again like they're primarily a nickel team last year when Horn was healthy he was their primary nickel corner um, but again at that time they had some different outside corners and whatever like AJ Boye and uh, Stefan Gilmore but for me I think that uh, it's going to be interesting to see where they line up Horn this year uh, at this point he's lined up as an outside or a nickel guy on their depth chart or whatever but watching him in the preseason he was outside and i think that's where you're going to see him and in a matchup like this where it's not necessarily about you know in a cornerback versus or like a certain receiver like this isn't like jamar chase versus jalen ramsey i think you're probably going to see horn uh, in on one side of the field and, and trying to kind of really uh force the browns to look elsewhere and i think dante jackson is a guy that can get in trouble at times he's very talented he has i mean he has four two speed four two six speed He's extremely fast, and he has decent ball skills for a short guy. Uh, But there are times where he can just be too aggressive. And if you get him on a double move, I mean, I don't know. I know you guys are a little down on Anthony Schwartz, but uh, I think that he can kind of really get past him in a hurry if uh, he really sets up a double move, or even uh, Donovan Donovan people's Jones. But I think they did pretty well uh, kind of supplementing their back end uh, Justin Burris, who was a guy that played for the Browns uh, for a few years. Uh, he was their starting safety, but they upgraded uh, by sending Xavier Woods, who was with the Vikings last year. And I I like this signing quite a bit because he can interchange between free and strong. And that's how they use Chin as well. Chin is essentially like yeah, he, he's everywhere. If he, you're gonna see him in the box, you're gonna see him sometimes rotating deep. Maybe that's not what you want, but um, you know, he does a very good job as like the rat or robber defender too. He's essentially going to be everywhere. You're going to see him blitzing as well. So uh, they do a really good job of interchanging their safeties and really kind of providing some disguise uh, on that back end. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's going to come down to how well do some of the corners not named JC Horn play? Because I, I do expect Horn to play well, uh, but Henderson has a lot to prove. He did look decent in the preseason. Uh there was one game uh, against the Bills where Keenum was just dinking and dunking and a lot of people were getting a, a little upset at that because Henderson was a primary culprit. Um so I mean that could be a situation where you know the Browns can take advantage of. Maybe they're not looking for the explosive plays, but you know if you get the 6 to 8 yard range then uh that could certainly help your offense.
0: Yeah, let's um let's close kind of on this. I mean what I'll say is it, sh- it should be one of the things to track is if they don't assign somebody to travel with Cooper because you know if they don't put like horn on Cooper because that's like Cleveland's main proven their only proven wide receiver target, so like if they track him all game it will be sort of a fascinating thing to watch about how much they are frightened by anybody else on the Browns wide receiver or tight end group giving them any trouble, so that'll be interesting to watch. Got a trivia question before we go, Billy and thanks again, man. This has been fantastic insight on. The roster, coaching staff, front office, all of it. Browns, Panthers, all time six six matchups. Okay, what's the all time mm-hmm. record? Do you know off the top of your head?
1: Well, I remember the game a couple years ago. Mayfield was had an
0: extraordinary game. That
1: I remember it was like in December. Um, so you Yeah, that he long. he
0: beat Jackson on a deep throw to Paraman early in the game, and then I think that's the game he had that that sort of back shuffle left deep throw in the corner to Landry. Those were two of like two better long ball throws of his entire career. So I <laughs> yeah. I do, yeah. I, I remember that game. Really
1: well. Yeah. Both of them are like super tight coverage too, but they were. Um, so I know you guys won that game. And then 2012, I remember we were 14. Manziel was the QB and Carolina won um, 2010. I Absolutely. would assume you guys won because
0: Carolina went two and 14 that year. So I'm going to go f- I don't know, three and three. It is four, two Panthers all time. They won the first oh, three. Okay. Uh, they won 99 and oh, two in Cleveland, 31, 17, 13, 16. And then oh, six, a win at home where the Panthers are two and oh, home. So again, betting trends, Panthers two and oh against the Browns all time at home, 20 to 12. And then Cleveland has won two of the last three, uh, that 2010 matchup. They won by a point. You were right, about 14, it was 17, 13 Panthers winning, and then Cleveland won 26-20. So now you know everything there is to know about the long-standing Browns-Panthers rivalry. Should be a ton of fun week one. Both teams really, really think they can win this game. I've seen it move to some some places. I've seen it now as a pick em. I think FanDuel had it recently as a, mm-hmm. as a pick pick'em. The Panthers have been on the slight favor side as a home team. But again, something to monitor, man. This weather for Sunday looks atrocious, so we will... See how And let me tell that.
1: you it can we've seen some crazy weather games especially in September in Carolina so um if it starts
0: pouring in the in Charlotte it, it can get really ugly. Oh boy. That's what we that's what we love to hear. We'll see how Mayfield handles that too. He's never been a great rain guy so you know it'll be fascinating to about <laughs> how, how both teams approach not that any quarterbacks a good rain quarterback I guess. Well, you guess guys
1: did have that preseason game in the rain so
0: yeah that one right that one um anyway listen this is fun billy tell everybody where they can find you man and uh places you do some work or pod and all that stuff i know we mentioned it at the top but it's good to remind people on the way out sure well thanks again for having me you can find me on twitter at billy m underscore 91 and
1: i currently just do the podcast on blue wire called the roar and you can follow all of our carolina panthers coverage on there
0: yeah make sure to follow billy check out his work he's doing a great job tweets are interesting and that matters. Interesting Twitter accounts matter. He's approaching dollars for a reason. So thanks to Billy for showing up today doing this show again, recording this a couple of days in advance of the game. Have a show tomorrow morning, your game day morning podcast with Brad Ward. I'll have that up for you so you can hear some of our favorite gambling lines, you can hear what the weather is going to be as close to the game as possible and hear some other information on the game we like to share. So check that out and then I'll be back for post game show uh, following playback. That'll be uh, up and you'll be able to watch that. And then lastly, you'll be able to check out, I think we'll try to do a Sunday night football Browns gathering hangout uh, as well there. I'll keep you apprised of all that information as we get close to it. So have a good Saturday guys. Enjoy your college football. There's a good slate of games going on there. So check those out and enjoy them. Thanks for stopping in spending some weekend time with us. We'll be back Sunday morning. Thanks again to Billy for showing up and doing the show again. Make sure you check out his work. Thanks guys. Have a great Saturday and go Browns.